it is not often that you walk into an Episcopal church and hear a sermon series. But if you were with us online or in person last week, and you're with us again today, you've entered a sermon series. Last week, Dean Richard highlighted a maxim about Episcopal biblical interpretation that I will highlight for you again today. We take the Bible too seriously to take it literally. It might seem suspect that Richard and I have used this phrase on Sundays when the readings have mentioned hell, the gender binary, and divorce. <laughs> but I assure you that this is a principle of biblical interpretation Episcopalians attend to even when the text is not socially and politically charged. If you've been in one of St. John's Education for Ministry, Catechumenate, or Episcopal 101 classes, you are already familiar with some of the basics of holistic biblical interpretation. Dig for context when reading the Bible. Take note of who is writing, when they're writing, to whom they are writing, and why they are writing. In other words, context is paramount. I'll say again what I've heard before. A text without context is a pretext for a subtext. <laughs> we laugh because it's true. We laugh as a substitute for crying because our hearts are burdened by the stories of people who find themselves on the receiving end of painful biblical interpretation, what some might call theological malpractice. While textual context is very important, so is the context of the person or community interpreting sacred texts. Yes, knowing that Mark's gospel is the earliest and shortest of the four is vital knowledge, but so is my self-awareness when interpreting. One of the great disservices of the fundamentalist movement of the early 20th century is the idea that Bible readers and interpreters are objective observers of the text. You've heard people say it before. The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. It is impossible, and I feel comfortable using the word impossible here, to approach any text without the lens of one's cumulative experiences of domestic life, educational background, travel experiences, literary exposures, disability, race, gender, class, taste in movies, nationality, neighborhood, and a host, and a host of other factors, a host too innumerable to even name. Imagine walking onto this holy ground, onto these sacred grounds at St. John's Cathedral today, fresh off the hills of a rocky divorce. Neither marriage counseling, the advice of trusted loved ones, without, nor a relocation to a brand new city without the intrusive presence of nosy neighbors could salvage a previously blissful marriage. 
Instead, you and your former spouse have decided to end things amicably and are determined to offer your children the best possible life with the two of you as their parents. You most likely are not coming here to witness a single unmarried preacher wax eloquent regarding divorce. <laughs> you most likely are here to receive the sacrament, enjoy a chat at coffee hour, and be on your way. That divorced person, friends in Christ, does not need one more load to carry. If anything, that divorced person just needs some space to breathe and pray. Or, you're an LGBTQ person who is confident in your personhood. You walk in after a long week at work and hear, therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife and they become one flesh. And you think to yourself, I don't need this lecture again. You usually have the energy to fight and debate the biblical text used to negate and erase your embodied experiences. But today, you just don't have it in you. You just want another uneventful, unremarkable Sunday in church. And you deserve an uneventful, unremarkable Sunday in church. You want for the life of you, for Christians and other people, to stop being so simplistic when it comes to sacred texts. You echo the sentiment of Hebrew Bible scholar and Episcopal priest, Dr. Will Gaffney, who says, quote, what I think people miss when reading the stories of the scripture is the text is a lot like an iceberg. And we all know that there's more of the iceberg underwater than on top of the water. But we don't know what the terrain is like. So you don't know if under the water, the iceberg is doing this or doing that. So reading the text in English without resorting to the original languages means you just don't know what you're omitting underneath, end quote. Dr. Gaffney's wisdom regarding textual interpretation is applicable to the ways in which we all interpret the text, not only of the Bible, but of our lives every day. And when we encounter texts held sacred to our, to our shared Christian faith. Said another way, when I see someone walking through these doors, or in line at King Supers, or cutting me off on I-25, I am just seeing the part of the iceberg I can see, that I can perceive. There is more to that person than I can even begin to imagine. When I am tempted to oversimplify someone's social context or life experience, may I hear God say, they are not that simple. It's not that simple. This is an exercise in generosity, a way of saying, when I'm reading the Bible individually or in community with other people, I will extend as much grace as possible to those who might find themselves on the underside of my interpretation. 
I will not interpret based on the strongest and most prominent person in the room. Instead, I'll let the most vulnerable and least powerful person in the room be the true north of my interpretive work. It is in a generous, spacious, gracious interpretation of the text that I can hear Jesus' words in Matthew urgently and with great sharpness. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This leads us then, as we close, to a series of probing questions that come in handy every time we find ourselves in the bumpy terrain of biblical interpretation. First, does my interpretation of a given text or situation make someone's life easier? Does it make their circumstances more bearable? Does it lighten their load? Does it bring an end to their oppression? Does it make God's love for them louder and more obvious? Additionally, when I read the scriptures, am I just picking the low-hanging fruit of simplistic interpretation, or am I giving myself the space to be more empathetic and curious as an interpreter of the text? Second, who is and isn't getting the benefit of the doubt when I make pronouncements about whole categories of people? Who could potentially be marginalized or stigmatized as a result of my interpretation? And finally, and this is a prayer, and I always recommend just when you're reading the Bible, pray. Pray when you're reading. God, will you show me what and more importantly, who I'm missing here? Who is missing from the text? Who is missing from this room? As you tackle these questions and allow them to tackle you, I pray that Jesus Christ, God's word incarnate, will make each of us more contextual, more compassionate, and more curious toward those with whom we are making this journey. Amen.